everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of BAM Sports Entertainment Weekly, the show where we talk about all things wrestling, all things sports, all things sports entertainment, some would say even all things sports entertainment. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing? We hope you're doing well. Man, I got I got the hair down, I'm looking kind of like a, like a chunky Burt Reynolds right now. This 80s vibe, it's feeling good right now, Boris. Yeah, uh, shout out White Bad Audio and Hackers for our uh, theme song. I, I really just, I dig it so much. Yes, thank you for for putting that in there. Um, we have a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking and reviewing Slammiversary. We are going to be talking and reviewing ROH TV. We're going to be talking and reviewing Impact. Because we're recording a little later, we were able to get some impact in. So we're going to be talking about the post-slammiversary impact. And then I think we're going to have a discussion from Wednesday night's Dynamite. Yeah, just touch on it a little bit. Talk about a couple of the finer points. You know, not go into too much detail because uh, we've we've beaten the Dynamite drum already. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this show has heard something about AW Dynamite. Anyway, how are you doing today, good pal Boris? I'm doing pretty good. Super busy day today, like from uh, 8 in the morning till whenever I finished. Don't know when that was. It was just nonstop <laughs> meetings, nonstop stuff, nonstop emails. You know, par for course. But, uh, you know, um, it's, 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 it's great. It's great to be busy. I I'm, I will never complain when I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, man? I was kind of, yeah, I was feeling a little uh, post-vacation blues, and I also came back to a lot to do, and I was feeling very busy and kind of a little angry about it, but I hit that point today, buddy. You have the right attitude. We shouldn't complain about being busy. You know what I mean? It's good to have things going on. We're very blessed, very lucky. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, slugging away. But yeah, thank you for picking up a lot of the slack on the actual watching of wrestling shows this week. I'll be able to uh, throw in my thoughts briefly here and there. But uh, you're going to be the Batman on this one. I'm going to be more of a Robin, I feel like. Yeah, that's nothing wrong with that, man. Honestly, it's uh, my pleasure to do so. That's the beauty of this partnership. That's the beauty of BAM, because it's Boris and Matt. Um, But yeah, so how do you feel after last night's expansion draft? Oh, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good about Montreal. Mark Bergevin played a little 4D chess. Looks like the Montreal Canadiens won. I actually thought Seattle did a pretty good job. I thought, like, it was it was objectively cheesy. You could say it was objectively bad. I would say subjectively I enjoyed that they tried really hard. They tried to do something unique with the presentation, and they brought in some local Seattle flavor. I've seen much worse out of the NHL. You know what I've I mean? Seen- so I'm pretty, I'm pretty enthused. Yeah, dude, I've seen much worse outside of a lot of other sports, right? Like, they're trying something. Might as well try, you know? Let, let's be honest. The pandemic hurt everybody. So if they can bring in some extra viewers, some additional ad dollars, why the hell not? Absolutely. And by all accounts, like Seattle, who lost the Supersonics, not out of popularity, but because they kind of got screwed over with a bad owner, um, Seattle, which is one of the biggest and most vibrant booming cities in North America, that team needs a couple pro sports franchises and the, the Kraken could really, you know, really make their mark here while there's no NBA team filling those exact months in that exact arena. Let me tell you something about Seattle. Um, obviously the Seahawks are the Seahawks. We know how awesome their fans are, but their MLS team is huge. 
some of the best oh, fans the in the sounders. league, some of the loudest fans in the league, some of the most organized fans in the league. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're such, the Sounders, such, such a good franchise. Um, you know, they've been around longer than the MLS, a lot longer than the MLS. They've been a team oh. in the um, NASL and other leagues that preceded the MLS and their fans just came out similar to Vancouver Whitecaps, similar to Portland, the the Timbers, you know, like it's shout out to all of Cascadia yeah. and those teams. But like you're right, you know, they're hungry for pro sports. Um, you know, the, the big difference, um, if, if, you know, here's the thing. Seattle, they love sports, right? Unlike Toronto, Toronto loves pro sports. They love top tier sports. Mm. It's unfortunately the reason why the Argos are where they're at. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's why, um, you know, TFC is where they're at. Toronto loves top tier sports. So that's why Leafs, Jays, Raptors will always be keying here. Now, there's the sports obsessed USA and mainly a hawk, a, a sorry, a sports hungry city like Seattle. And it's just a perfect storm. Um, so, yeah, I'm super pumped for the crack. And I hope this gets them uh, more noise so that they can bring a a the supersonics back and let's see what happens yeah there. yeah and if they did bring the supersonics back gotta hurt the kraken but you know what that that should be the ultimate goal and now the nba somehow has is uh right there with mlb i think the only two teams uh the, the only two leagues out of the four with 30 teams right the nhl now 32 nfl now 32 so both baseball and basketball are pretty much due for expansion. Basketball especially. Basketball especially. There's so much talent in the NBA right now, they can easily add two teams. Throw one in Seattle and throw another back in Vancouver or Vegas. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you see the NBA expanding back into Canada? No, I don't. I think the Vancouver experiment was deemed a failure, perhaps too early. But, yeah, they're not coming back. They're going to go to Seattle and Vegas. Those will yeah. be the teams 31 and 32 in basketball. Yeah. What's interesting is Vegas, right? Like, for me, I never thought Vegas would work um, because, you know, typically speaking, huh. traditionally speaking, Vegas, you know, yeah. people who live in Vegas, they work at night. They work on the strip. Right. They work the nightlife, right? So those teams really need the the, the visiting dollars, the visitors. Um, but it's interesting to see how – the Golden Knights have been doing. Like, I, I'm shocked, to be 100%. Like, it helps huge that the NHL yeah. structured the um, the draft the way that it, the way, the way that they did now, right? Um, to give them a competitive team right off the bat. So, Absolutely. kudos to the NHL there. And I'm shocked. Like, honestly, I am shocked by the sheer popularity of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm going to be really inter- interested to see how the Raiders do this September. Yeah, that'll be well. Uh, the Raiders, yeah, it, it's tough too it, because the Oakland was such a hardcore fan base. It sucks to see Oakland losing these teams. The Athletics might move too, which would just be brutal. Anyway, but yeah, to your point, yes, one hundred percent agree, man. And I actually, I don't know if I would say one hundred percent agree with everything you said because I kind of had high hopes for Vegas. I kind of thought it could work. I was just surprised that no league had tried it, and I'm glad that the NHL for once had foresight, and they were the ones who were there first. They yeah. got on it. They were on that ball, man. Didn't the CFL try? Like, I know the, the entire <laughs> American expansion failed, Yeah, but, yeah, I think the CFL was the first to be fair, league. Yeah. 
To be fair, you're right. They did do that, yeah. But uh, the CFL doesn't count, let's be honest. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't count. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, kudos to the NHL for that. And and yeah, you know what? I'm super excited for the Kraken. I know a couple people from Seattle, just from my soccer circles who have season tickets. Um, and you'd be and another thing, right, with the Kraken in Seattle. Seattle is a big tech company hub now. You know, yeah. you have Amazon. Yeah. You have other companies. You have some offices of Facebook up there. You have a bunch of tech companies up there. And where there's tech companies, there are Canadians. Hence, therefore, hockey will do very well. Dude, it's like San Jose. Um, Silicon Valley, full of Canadians there. That's why the Sharks do really well. Yeah, I have a, I, one of my best friends is a Canadian kid from Aurelia who loves the San Jose Sharks. It's, it's funny. Uh, he's not a tech guy necessarily. But yeah, I don't know. Just throwing that in there. But you know what? Seattle's crowd, the uh, the gathering of fans they had, really uh, really was nice to see. And Boris, you were in a gathering of fans not too yes. long ago. Yes, Watching I was. some sports. Yes, I was. Yes. How was that? It was really cool. So I talked about it on NXT Talk. I went to the TFC game on Saturday. There was only 7,000 people there. So, you know, if you, it felt okay. Um, yeah. Super socially distanced. BMO Field holds about 30K. So it was, you know, it was really socially distanced. Last night, however, Wednesday night, there was another game. And this time they lifted the max capacity to the max capacity of this um, stage of the reopening in Ontario. So the maximum for right. an outdoor gathering and sports and concerts and outdoor venues is 15,000 people. Um, spectators, not workers so 15,000 spectators so 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 it went from 7,000 people to 15,000 spectators yes it's a pretty big difference yeah big difference huge difference um and uh you know they did a good job of socially distancing people but there's only so much you can do when your stadium is about half full right um Mm -hmm. i think that for the most part people respected the social distance aspect um and i sat and i like all four of my season seats are in the south end. The south end is where the entire supporter groups are. So I have two seats with the Red Patch Boys, who are one of the main supporter groups. Those seats are always crazy. Um, nice. So social distancing is second. It's it's not going to happen, <laughs> right? But where my other seats were, um, and where I picked up all four seats for yesterday's game was right behind the net which is still part of the supporter groups but a little like a little more tranquilo right so it kind of worked out like cool. off to the side yeah a little off to the side off the beaten path you know as we would say <laughs> so it worked out really well um the one thing is people do respect mask wearing outside of the bowl but you're supposed to wear a mask at all times unless you're eating or drinking. Um, that's my one complaint, is that people take off their masks as they're watching the game, which, you know, I, I understand yeah. the, the, you know, the, 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 the like, the, the, ref, the, the, the reaction, the, like, whatever, like, the, you know, their mindset. Um, but, you know, I just wish that's the one thing. I wish people wore their mask there. Um, but outside of that, like, people were pretty cool. 
um, no one got in your face and stuff like that. So, but it was a great experience. And the, some of the people that I went with were like super COVID conscious, right? Um, they 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 wouldn't even come into my apartment. Uh, we would always have to chill outside and stuff like that, just because until they were double vaxxed, they didn't want to take any risks. So yesterday, going from like being super COVID conscious to a stadium of fifteen thousand people was quite the experience for them. Um, but they had they had a blast, right? Like it just you know things nice. are looking up here in Ontario. Our vaccination rates are super high in Toronto. Vaccination yeah. rates are super high. So because of that reason. People feel super comfortable. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I please don't take this as any kind of praise for uh, the current administration. But uh, as ba- as bad as the last few months were, you got to say at least it kind of worked, and we're kind of in a really good place right now. And if we just keep this ball rolling down this hill just a little further, we could be we could even be pretty safe this winter and beyond. You know, so yep. knock on all the wood and. Uh, Blue Jays are coming back soon, just over a week, right? Yep. Uh, eight days, seven days, or whatever you want to say, depending on when. Yeah, probably you seven days from seven, seven days from the time that you're hearing this. One yep. week, it'll be Blue Jays time. Yep, and I'm super Let's excited. Let's ball. I'm super excited. Um, tickets went on sale officially to public on Thursday and pretty much sold out. Uh, the, the home yeah. opener. In July, which is hilarious, uh, <laughs> sold out in under half an hour. Nice, nice. Well, that's good, man. The, the team is in a really good place. And, yeah, Toronto, like you said, they are front runners. <laughs> this is a city of front runners. Now, I have a question for you. We're talking about summer sports. We're talking about sports with outdoor venues. I have a question for you. Two questions. Hit me. Question yes. number one. For rainy, cloudy days... Will they close the roof of the Skydome? Because the only reason they're allowed to have 15,000 people is because they are an open roof stadium. Right. So if we're still in stage three and they did close it, they'd have to lower the attendance. They would just like have to, right? I'm assuming. So there was Shapiro or Atkins, I forget whom, was talking. They were basically saying that they're going to crack the roof open a little bit to comply with the rules so i don't know okay i just find that kind of like really interesting um you know i think that uh we'll see what happens i don't know i I really don't have much of an of an opinion there um so yeah yeah that's just an interesting interesting footnote for sure buddy definitely worth keeping our eye on but i i I have no strong opinion until i see what happens either way now question number two we're in the summer this is the summer months do you think that we're going to be in a position, in a good position, to go into stage four of reopening, which is, you know, everything, everything is a go, everything is green, um, in time for the Leafs and the Raptors? I do. I well, that's like the goal, and like, like I said, that by that's kind of what I meant by like we just got to continue pushing this ball downhill. But I do think like both leagues are going to make it a major point of contention and it matters way more in hockey man it matters way more in hockey because there's two teams in ontario including the dallas cowboys of the league including the new york knicks of the league including the big marquee team right they need the leafs and it really helps if the leafs are playing in front of I don't want to say the home crowd faithful in front of the businessmen and casuals who who can afford to go to the leafs games yeah Unfortunately, <laughs> um, 
So so you guys dodged the bullet. The Habs dodged the bullet. Carey Price is still a Hab. One man's dodged bullet is another man's 4D chess. I believe it was the great Nate Dog who said, put your nuts on the table, Boris. Let's play the game. And that's what Mark Bergevin did. And uh, we succeeded. No, apparently it was it was actually like uh, uh, Hartford slash Seattle uh, has told uh, they, they went and told uh, Montreal that they were going to select Jake Allen, the backup. And that was really going to hurt because Jake Allen and Carey Price were basically going to split 50-50 next year or pretty close to it. This is all according to Elliot Friedman, the great Elliot Friedman of Roger Sportsnet. Um, so anyway, long story short, Carey Price himself apparently went to Mark Bergevin and said, I might miss some time to start the season. I'm not healthy. I make $11 million. If you put me on the block rather than the backup, they're not going to take me. They're not going to take the risk on my contract and my injury status and they gambled together and Montreal won the gamble. And yeah, it was a, it was a tight couple days around the collar, buddy. I, I would have been heartbroken if we yeah. lost Carey Price. I probably wouldn't have watched hockey for a year or two, but well, I, at this moment. It- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one thing, right? Like, like, like that, that's one quote unquote dodge bullet. Then there's the whole Shea Weber conversation, right? That one hurts. That's just that's just life, though, man. That's yeah. just wear and tear. This guy's a warrior. But, yeah, Shea Weber is very injured. There's a chance he might never play again. Although, I, I, I'm betting on Shea Weber on that one. You know what I mean? Until he says, I can't do it, then I, I'm thinking he's going to give it all his all. And that man's a warrior. We've seen it. So, I wouldn't bet against Shea Weber, you know? Yeah, same. Um, you know, it, only he knows how bad his body really is, right? hundred percent, hundred million percent. Um, this reminds me yeah. of like the constant. I feel like you know, back in the early two thousands, late nineties, every season didn't the same thing happen with Timo Solani? Oh man, yeah, absolutely. And then he would, he would, but Timo Solani, Hall of Fame player, and he made a, he made a comeback or two. Peter Forsberg, he was a guy who always banged up, made a comeback or two or three. You know, with Nashville, he came back and was still sick. I think he he played with Philly like. In late, late, like way later than you'd think he would have. So anyway, yeah. yeah, these these guys can these guys can do it. And medicine has advanced so far, Boris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him daily shots before every game, and and he'll be good. I'm joking, obviously. It's just, but like you yeah. know, the the sports medicine is just at an insane level now. Like these guys can be taken care of so so much. But at the end of the day, you know, I hope that he makes the right decision for himself and his family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And his long-term health, you know what I mean? He has nothing to prove. That man's going to the Hall of Fame, especially after this cup final run. Uh, He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame talent, and I hope he comes back. But, yeah, like you said, for his sake, I hope he does whatever he needs to do to have a healthy, long life. And, honestly, man, it's foot problems, but that would would suck. But, you know what? Like, silver lining to this cloud, we have uh, Alexander Romanov, who's a really good young defenseman, plays on the right side, and he's going to step into that top role. That's where he's being groomed to be eventually. He's, He's hopefully going to be a number one defenseman. So, let's see if you can do the job, kid, you know, because we need one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then what's it called? Um, I forgot what I was going to say, but, uh, yeah, I remember coming from wrestling fans, you know, I always think about the performer, the athlete first. Like, it's like, we've seen it in wrestling so many times. These guys literally sacrifice themselves for our entertainment, for, for, you know, for, for, for us to boo them, cheer them, whatever. And, you know, it's, that's, it's just, yeah, 
gotta gotta think of the of the of the person first sometimes. Exactly, man. They're people. They're human beings at the end of the day. And yeah, I'd love to see Shea Weber come back and, and be in the opening night lineup. But yeah, let's let's make sure the man can walk for the rest of his life. You know. Yep. Exactly. All right, man. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, NBA. NBA. Congrats to the Milwaukee Oh yeah, well, I guess I guess we could quickly touch on uh, Giannis just absolutely lording 50 points, 14 boards in the closeout game, and he's such a good guy, such like a wholesome, hardworking dude. Did you, did you ever see like the the thing where that little girl like brought him drawings that she made, yes. and he like got out of an autograph session and like took the time to give her a big hug and like go through them? Like he's just a good human being. He actually stayed with the team that drafted him. It's great for basketball. It's great for the world. I'm glad Giannis won. I was yep. kind of cheering for Chris Paul too, but I'm glad Giannis won. There yeah, was no agreed. loser. No, it was a baby face program, buddy. No heels. Yep, exactly. Well, depends what city you're coming from. But yeah, 100%. Um, it was it was such a good finals. What I liked about it was it was a super teamless final, right? And I loved, loved Giannis's comments about super teams at the end. Yeah. yeah I, I think they were pretty bang on, too. Yep. All right, man. I think it's time to start talking about wrestling and wrestling-related stuff. Let's do it, buddy. How do you want to proceed? All right. Um, Let's start with your comments on AEW. What do you want to talk about? Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah. So first of all, are you scared for Chris Jericho's safety? Where's your head going into the uh, Nick Gage death match on AEW Dynamite next week? What I love about this was, <laughs> didn't Nick Gage just shit all over AEW about death matches just a few weeks ago? Did he? Well, yep. th- that might have been part of the angle. That might have been him working. You know what I, I mean? If he so. shit, if he shit all over them, like uh, Kenny Omega is trash and these young bucks are stupid, and like if he put Jim Cornette at them, that'd be one thing. But if he said AEW doesn't do real death matches, I do real death matches. That's working. That's just a worker doing some work. He kind of said both. Okay, okay. Well, it could still be it could, it could be a worker doing some work. What Anyways. I like about Nick Gage is that he looks like a crazy, methed out guy who will actually stab you. And yes. perhaps that's because he's a crazy, methed out guy who will actually stab you. But yep. that's there's nothing like that in wrestling. He's our he's our generation's new Jack. And I guess yes. New Jack was I, I it's kind of tough to say what generation I'm in. He's this generation's New Jack. Yeah, he's the two thousands New Jack. Yeah, um, he is two he is two thousand twenty one's New Jack. You know, one thing I gotta give credit to AEW for is the fact that they know how to capitalize on the stuff that non wrestling people are talking about. Because say what you want, Dark Side of the Ring gets a lot of attention from non wrestling fans also. Right, and how many times has yeah. AEW capitalized on those episodes with Brian Pillman Jr., Jake Roberts, now Nick Gage? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's smart, man. And they should be elevating these people because they have been elevated in the eyes of the public. So why not? Exactly. Why would you not? Yep. Why would and you he- like? What it, it would be kind of like if. Uh, if a man went on a 15-month winning streak, Boris, you see, and then he appeared on a different TV show and then just <laughs> lost in a minute and 40 seconds to a goofball shithead. <laughs> Could you imagine such a thing? Such I a, can't such imagine a weird such a and thing. wacky scenario? I can't imagine such a thing. 
I can't imagine such a thing. Oh lord. Um, but you know, again, this goes to go. This goes to show you just how you know separated WWE is from the wrestling world, right? Like they literally have the WWE universe, and even within the WWE universe, there is there are silos, right? Um, and it just goes to show you how separated they are from the rest of the wrestling world, which it is what it is, whatever, you know, let them do what they do. They're a multi-billion dollar company. You could say they're trash, but money talks people. They're a multi-billion dollar company. Um, you know, and, and then you have us internet wrestling nerds, because if you're listening to this show, chances are you're an internet wrestling nerd. We have AEW, right? Who, who, who kind of really makes, goes out of their way to keep us happy. You know what? Before fans came back, I would have looked anyone in the eye and said, I think WWE is the wrestling promotion of the year. I think if you were, we sometimes we refer to the wrestling observer ballot because we're nerds and uh, Dave Meltzer is friend of SNME radio. But if you were to be filling out your wrestling observer ballot, my personal choice would have been WWE right up until the point where crowds came back. Yep. And then it was pretty clear that AEW is by any measure the best wrestling. It's the number one wrestling show in the world. It's the yep. best wrestling program. It's the best wrestling company on earth right now. I, I, You could maybe even say stardom. That's actually probably a close second, but I'd, uh, I don't want to hear an argument for anything else. Agreed. Um, the ratings are surely saying something. Uh, yeah. AEW Dynamite's rating, uh, they brought in an audience of 1,148,000 with a .44 rating in the 18 to 49 demo. The demo god, Chris Jericho, doing work early. But yeah, that's uh, that, that's beautiful, man. And that, that's like, it's so good for wrestling as a whole, for like the industry. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm loving where AEW is at right now. Uh, Moxley Archer, what did you think of that match? A couple of disgusting bumps. That choke slam on the on the turned up chairs was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That was crazy. Uh, shoot barbed wire. Uh, that table bump looked just as bad, honestly. And uh, yeah, just a crazy, disgusting, violent match. That'll show up in our year end uh, best of best of 2021 list for sure, for sure. But yeah, it was yeah classic uh, level hardcore match. Like just just a violent war. Yeah, no, it was crazy. Man, I have such a weird love-hate relationship with Archer. Like, there are times where I think he is this monster guy who knows what he's doing. And then there's other times where I feel just like I just don't care about him whatsoever. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, he's like, he's a little hit and miss. But when he's on, he's on. And that was, like, great. That was maybe his best match of his career. That was uh, no, awesome. No, 100%. Um, it's up there with between that and his match with Kenta, uh, I think G1 a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, true. But it was fantastic. He had, uh, yeah, he had a really good one with Phoenix as well. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for the most part. Not yeah. I yeah. wouldn't put it his career best though. Yep. All right. Uh so that anything else you want to talk about AEW? Uh for now, no. We got a lot more to discuss. But yeah, just we'll we'll be keeping our eye on AEW going forward a lot more, I think. Yep. All right. Let's talk some ROH. Uh we're I'm, we're gonna be talking about ROH TV from uh, July 17th, 18th, you know, because it is syndicated, it's hard to pinpoint when it is, so I will always say the weekend before, uh, so it was the 17th, 18th. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I am now doing the weekly ROH TV re- 
support for Slam Wrestling. You can find it at slamwrestling.net. So I am going to be watching ROH Weekly moving forward. Um, so it was a pretty good... Hey, congr- pretty- congratulations on that, buddy, by the way. Thanks, uh, man. Brand, little little rep. That's awesome. Good for you, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. So it was a fun little show. First post um, Best in the World show. Uh, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but as soon as the show started, I saw that they were still in the pandemic era, so I wasn't really expecting much, and I was also quite inter- interested to kind of see what they touch on from the pay-per-view, and this is where my letdown started. So it was three matches. First match was Fred Yehai versus Ray Horace. Pretty fun match. Mm. Typical standard, st- typical one-on-one singles match. Um, Fred oh, Ehi okay. is a very technical wrestler. I'm really I'm really digging him. I'm really, 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 really digging him. And then Ray Horace is Ray Horace, right? So, uh, you know, the match started off very technical, um, and then it went towards the Ray Horace style, the, La- the Latino Lucha-influenced style of match. Pretty fun match. Um, I, uh, the, at the end, Fred Ehi climbed the middle rope, Horace realized this, ran to him, also climbed to the second rope, and he delivered a body scissor driver into a cover for the win. So your winner at 9.53, Ray Oris. So I would give this match a three handshakes out of five. Nice. Nice, man. Okay, I was going to say, those names, that's a good look, definitely. Like, I like those two names on paper, for sure. I agree with everything you said about Fred. Uh, yes, only what did you say? One seven minutes? That's uh, yeah, not nine minutes. Nine minutes, right on. Yeah, nice little um, match. Yeah, yeah, nice little match. Dope, dope, dope. All right, then we got some promos. Mandy Leon, Quinn McKay promo. So basically, the story of this match it's the continuation of the Angel Angelina Love and Mandy Leon um, feud against Quinn McKay, where they think that she's a joke, she shouldn't be getting into wrestling. But what I loved was Quinn McKay. Um, she basically claimed that this is her last opportunity to be a wrestler. She's ready to prove all the naysayers that she deserves to be in the ring. McKay even outlined the parallels in her and Mandy Leon's careers because. Mandy Leon also did start as an interviewer and whatnot, and she said she is ready to beat Mandy, who claims she is a shadow of who she used to be. So this led us into match number two, which is Mandy Leon, Angelina Love on her side versus Quinn McKay. Fun little match. Um, The match only went seven minutes, 44 seconds. Um, At the end, uh, McKay locked in the Tangerine Dream, which is a sleeper. Uh, Leon was tapping, Angelina Love got the distraction from the referee on the opposite corner. McKay realized what was happening. She had a few choice words to the ref, but Love handed Leon a pair of brass knuckles who delivered a punch to McKay for the three. So your winner was Mandy Leon at seven minutes, 44 seconds. But here's the nice little thing. It was a fun, nice little match. Mandy Leon, not bad. Quinn McKay, I really like her in ring. Um, uh, what's her name? Maria Canellis was ringside doing commentary, and she is, uh, you know, on the board of directors. So she says the referee can only do what he sees, but I can do what's necessary. Interesting. Okay, so I have a couple questions for you here, buddy. How is uh, how is Quinn McKay looking in the ring? What do you think of her uh, of her wrestling ability? Getting better and better. Getting better and better. 
Yeah, like it, it, it's it's awesome. a lot more smooth than her match against Angelina Love. Um, you know, I I think that she's improving week over week over week. So I I, I can see her really like uh, you know making good contributions to this uh, rejuvenated, re-energized ROH Women's Division. Amazing. That's I, I that's that's I'm glad to hear that because Quinn McKay is so likable. She's just such a natural baby face, almost like a, a jungle boyish quality to her, right? Like you just want to like her, you just want to support her. Um, second question, how are you feeling about Maria Canales Bennett's like weird uh benevolent Stephanie McMahon character? Sure, I'll take it. You know what? It, it hasn't annoyed me just yet. Um so let let's roll with it, right? She's a good talker. She, she knows how to talk. I think that's something that ROH always needed in the women's division. They've never yeah. been bad wrestlers, but characters and stories have always hurt a lot more because they haven't been the best actresses, the best talkers. So I think Maria really adds and helps them, right? You kind of have someone in the know. Yeah, that's a great call, definitely. I'm not sure if I'm digging what I've seen of this character but then again really all i've seen of this character has been the one promo on best in the world which didn't really super land but we'll give him a chance you know what i mean like i i i have i have high hopes for her as the stephanie mcmahon of roh yep exactly um so yeah i I agree with you right like i overall i agree with you but like i said she has the experience we know what she can do we've seen her in tna we've seen her in wwe we've seen her everywhere doing this type of work so why shouldn't it wouldn't it work? Um, anything else you want to talk about before we move on to the main event? Uh, no, let's do it. That, that all right. was all I wanted to touch on. So the main event was Shane Taylor Promotions, which consisted of O'Shea, Edwards, Khan, Moses, and Shane Taylor. And they faced off against the foundation, which consisted of Jay Lethal, Rhett Titus, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, and for one night only... Joe Keys. So the reason why Joe Keys was in this match was because John Gresham was injured in the ring um, during training. So uh, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams said, tonight you're going to wrestle with us. So nice little eight-man tag to uh, end the show. And it was a fun little match, right? Like, you know, you had your typical hot tags. You had your typical... uh, Heels cutting off the ring in half to keep the advantage on their side. Um, you know, it was it was your typical eight-man tag. Nice. How did Moses look? We've circled Moses Dude, almost every time we've watched STP. He is so good. He is so freaking good. Awesome. Love yep. me a big man who just has some crazy offense. We compared him to, uh, to Jamal in three-minute warning. That yep. type of Pokemon. Love me thing. some Moses. As good as Moses and Khan looked, O'Shea Edwards looked even better. Um, nice. He's a, kind of a background member, but he was surely highlighted in this match, and he looked fantastic. Like, he um, caught Jay Lethal while doing the lethal injection and just tossed him to the side. He was just so good. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, not to take anything away, but Shane Taylor himself was great. He kind of delivered one punch that just knocked Jay Lethal out of the ring into the outside. It was so well done. Oh, <laughs> always good. Always a yep. good spot. The, the single fu- punch. Do you remember on SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, I think it was? The Kung Fu straight punch finisher. I just, I remember that because... My cousin used it as his finisher and routinely kicked my ass. But, uh, yeah, the Kung Fu straight punch right out of the ring. Good stuff, Boris. Yeah, 
It was, uh, yeah. So, you know, pandemonium hit. O'Shea, who is a legal man along with Joe Keyes, delivers a vicious right to Keyes, whips him to the ropes, only to land a sit-down spine buster for the three count. So your winners, Shane Taylor Promotions at 16 minutes and 54 seconds. Ooh, long yep. one. Yeah, it was it was a fun little match. Um, and then announced for next week, uh, you have PCO versus Sledge and Eli Ism versus Dalton Castle versus da- Dak Draper. Oh, there it is. There it is. The six-man tag team explodes. Yep. All right. So going back, sorry, I forgot to rate the women's match. So I would give this match, again, three handshakes out of five. And I would give the main event, the eight-man tag, a three and a half out of five handshakes. Three and a half handshakes out of five. That is here at BAM Sports Entertainment, a B. That is a 70 percenter. Good stuff. Overall, Pretty good show, but I kind of expected more from a post-pay-per-view TV show. I fully understand that their syndicated nature and taping schedules can make this difficult, but really, after a major pay-per-view, after you get fans back, um, I was a little disappointed. So, you know, overall, I would rate this show a three handshakes out of five. Nice, man. I I feel like that's a pretty straightforward and fair review. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I, I take no umbrage with that, buddy. Makes a lot of sense. Exactly. All right, man, so that is ROH, and I think we're going to leave Impact to the main event because it's time to talk about two Impact shows. We're going to talk about Slammiversary, which aired July 17th, 2021 on pay-per-view at Fight.tv, and we're going to talk about Impact Television from July 22nd. Nice. So I probably should do this chronologically and go with uh, Slammiversary first. Uh, I also have here the pick contest. We can kind of go through this as we do it. Uh, I'll give you a little spoiler, Boris. You uh, jumped back on the horse and you won this one. But we both, uh, this was not something to write home to mom about for either one of us. But you did you did uh, take less egg on top of your face this week. I know. I, 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 I As I'm watching the show, I'm like, ooh, 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 we, we both got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, a couple times it was like, oh, we both got that one wrong. Oh, both got that one wrong too. We'll get into it. The finer points of this year's show. All right. So, Slam Reversary, July seventeenth, twenty twenty-one, from Nashville, Tennessee, at Skyway Studios. So the pre-show was forty-three minutes of nothing, and then it was D'Lo Brown and Matt Stryker who checked in from ringside, who just talked a little more. So the first match of the show was for your knockout tag titles as Keir Hogan and Tasha Steeles faced off against Havoc and Rosemary. Nice. So our girl, Rosemary, big W here. And this was on the pre-show. Yeah. Interesting Interesting that they would do a switch on the pre-show. Yeah. I'm not shocked. Money in the Bank, uh, the SmackDown titles, the Usos beat the Mysterios in the pre-show. True. But you know what? I also said, huh, interesting that they would do a switch on the pre-show when it happened there, too. Title switches is all the rage in the pre-show these days. Yep. All right. So um, broadcast team 
noted that Hogan was legal after making a blind tag. Steels performed a big dive from the top rope onto Rosemary and Steve on the floor. Hogan worked over Havoc inside the ring. Hogan put Havoc in a sleeper, but she no-sold it and countered into her tombstone pile driver and scored the pin for the win. So Havoc and Rosemary defeated Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels in 8 minutes and 55 seconds to win the knockout tag titles. Nice, nice. So yeah, it's, uh, we both love Rosemary. I'm glad to see her hold the title. It's very nice for uh, for decay, as it were. Uh, poor, tough beat for this Fire and Flavor. They yeah. just they just keep getting these titles bounced off them like a Super Bowl. Well, and it's funny because what were we saying last week on the show? They're not gonna keep tossing these titles around. <laughs> you know what's funny, Boris, is that. You actually did say that, and that was the difference in this show. That's basically why you came up on top, because you did correctly predict that Rosemary and Havoc would be victorious in this one. Yep. Go figure. Go figure. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, this one, um, it was your typical, uh, what what do you call it, pre-show match, um, and it was a nice little surprise to start the overall card. So I would rate this match three uh, TNAs. Out of five. <laughs> Three total nonstop actions? Yep. Out of five? Yep. For, a, for, of course, a 60% Jeff Jarrett percentage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, so this leads us into the main card. Video package opened the show. Footage aired from earlier in the day of Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan making separate arrivals to the building. Matt Stryker and Dilo Brown were on commentary. Dave Penzer was the ring announcer for the main card. So the first match of the main card was for the X Division Championship, and it was an Ultimate X match. Josh Alexander, your champion, versus Petey Williams, versus Trey Miguel, versus Ace Austin, versus Chris Bay, Bay Bay, versus Rohit Raju. So, we both said that it was time for Josh Alexander to move away from this title and move into the world title picture. And thus, the, the winner of this one would be Trey Miguel. We were wrong. Yep. You know, yeah, I'm a huge Trey Miguel mark. Uh, Josh Alexander ended up winning the match in 15 minutes, 45 seconds. And it was a great match. You know, it is. Yeah. For me, this was the match of the night. Match of the night. Boom. Nice. You know, it like it's exactly what you would expect from an Ultimate X match. They did stuff you've never seen. They did stuff you will never see again. They did stuff that you don't want to see again uh, because of yeah. how dangerous it was. But it was just great. Um you know, it was strange. They spent a, a huge portion of the match playing up the threat that the heels posed uh, because, you know, Rohit Raju and Madman Fulton were at ringside, uh, only for both men to be banned from ringside for the actual match. But, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. Like, it's kind of weird that they would ban people in a no-DQ type of match, but whatever. Um, you know, Josh Alexander won, so go Canada. Thanks. Well, yeah, it, the whole no DQ thing kind of throws it off. But is it technically no disqualification or just the weird rules? Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, if someone pulled out a hammer and hit somebody, maybe they'd be thrown out of the match too. Yeah, probably not, though. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll definitely check this one out. I'm going to for sure. I, I have yet to watch this Slammiversary show, though. But I, I will for sure check out this one and the main event uh, as I'm catching up on matches to add to our year-end list, Boris. But you would put this above that uh, – you, you said the word great a couple times. Yeah. I, I'm excited to hear your rating. 
Yep. Um, I would rate this match four TNAs out of five. Nice. Four TNAs out of five for a 80, for an 80% Ron the Truth killings percentage. (laughs) Love it. Um, Gia Miller interviewed Don Callis outside of Kenny Omega's locker room. Callis said he was concerned that the main event carries a no DQ stipulation and Omega is facing a garbage wrestler in Sammy Callahan. Callis said Callahan may be dangerous man, but Omega is a god. Callis said Callahan will do his worst, but he can but he can't kick out of a one winged angel. Callis said that he would be the difference in the match. Um, what's really cool about this is that, you know, for those of you who don't know, about two, three years ago, three years ago now, Callis and Sam and Sammy Callahan were kind of feuding after the Eddie Edwards incident. So I kind of like that, you know, it's kind of like a resurgence of this mini feud yeah. that they had going. A little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a, a callback, if you will. I like that. Don Callis is great. Arguably the best promo guy in wrestling. Full stop right now. Yep. Oh, 100%. He, and he delivered another fantastic promo on tonight's show. All right, so awesome. we got a video package to build to the next mixed tag match, which was Matt Cardona and a mystery partner versus Brian Myers and Tennille Dashwood. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you, you went off the post. But you know what, Boris? As soon as we picked, we picked our show before we knew this match was happening. Yeah. So that's the problem. If we knew that Matt Cardona had a mystery partner, you wouldn't have called Chelsea Green to be the mystery opponent in the other match. I feel like I should get a quarter point because she was a mystery <laughs> she was a mystery opponent. Just the wrong match. I feel like you should uh, I feel like you should frig off, bud. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yes, Chelsea Green was the mystery partner. Uh Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green defeated Brian Myers and Tino Dashwood in six minutes and five seconds in a mixed tag match. Um so the crowd was really into this match. Uh, you know, and it wasn't a bad match. It was just your typical mixed tag matches. Sorry, it was your typical mixed tag match with your mixed tag spots. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, who, sorry, who is Brian Myers' partner again? Um, Tennille Dashwood. Oh, yeah, yeah. The former Emma. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, cool. How did Chelsea Green will rock in the uh, Bob Orton Jr. slash Owen Hart cast gimmick, right? Yep, yep. yep. She is. Nice. Yep. I like um, Chelsea Green. Green. Actually, what I really liked was at one point Chelsea Green delivered a Canadian destroyer on Myers. On Myers? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was that, cool. That's good. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. All right. So I would rate this match. It was what it was. So I'm going to give this two and a half TNAs. Total nonstop actions out of five. Nice. A 50% Sunny Siaki percentage. It's on the Mendoza line. Yep. This is the Mendoza line. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this, we get a video package for the next match, which was W. Morrissey versus Eddie Edwards. W, putting the W in W. Morrissey. Yes. Um, your typical stuff match. A lot of stuff happened here. I don't know. I didn't really care for this match too much. Um, I like Eddie Edwards. I don't like his hardcore stuff. I don't care for W. Morrissey. Uh, I just I just was not a huge fan of this match. So I'm just going to 
jumped to the end. Morrissey pulled out a chain out of his boot, hit Edwards with it while the referee was shielded. Morrissey returned to the ring and powerbombed Edwards before pinning him. So W. Morrissey defeated Eddie Edwards in 11 minutes. <laughs> your eyes just bulged out of your head. 11, 11 minutes. Minutes. <laughs> it sounds like you did not enjoy this one, my friend. Nope. This one is getting two TNAs out of five. Two TNAs for a 40% shark boy percentage. Yep. It is a, it is a fail below the Mendoza line here at Bay. Here's the thing. You knew W. Morrissey was going to win. So you didn't need yeah. to go 11 minutes for this. Especially if you're trying to, especially if you're trying to create a monster in W. Morrissey, he should have beat him in Seamus Dan O'Brien time, right? Like, cranked him, cranked him like a Bobby Lashley cranking a young Kofi Kingston. Yep, <laughs> young Kofi Kingston. <laughs> um. So yeah, decent. It was less than decent. Right guy won at least, uh, which cannot be said about a match later in the night. Uh, so we get a pre-taped Moose promo. He spoke about facing Chris Sabin and said he would face the consequences. A video aired with someone destroying a long-lived The Drama King poster. Gia Miller interviewed a fan named Miguel who won a super fan contest. Uh, Madman Fulton and uh, Mahabali Shira made their entrance to cut the fan interview short. Scott Damore entrance music's hit. He played and walked onto the stage. Damore played to the fans by saying he was happy to see them back in the impact zone. Damore assumed that Fulton and Shira were ready for action and then introduced their opponents. So it was Finn Juice coming back to face nice. Madman Fulton and Mahabali Shira. Nice. Finn Juice. I love me some David Finley. And honestly, Juice Robinson really improved to the point where he's he's very enjoyable. Good watch as well. But yeah, David Finley, great, great wrestler. Yeah, 100%. Um, really enjoyed this. Like, I sorry. I enjoyed the fact that Finn Juice came back. And I enjoyed the fact that, you know, to make an impact, pun 100% intended, you get nice. a quick win. So, Finn Juice won in one minute and 15 seconds. There you go. See, so that's uh, perfect. It, 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 that's the kind of match that achieves exactly what it needs to achieve, Boris, you yeah. know? Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to give this match three and a half. Sorry, three TNAs out of five. I'll take it. I accept it. Uh, it's 60% bowed up percentage, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a definite pass. You know, they did what they needed to do. It, it accomplished exactly what it needed to do, right? And you can't give it more because it's not a freaking wrestling classic. It's not WrestleMania 12 main event, it, but it's also not Karrion Cross losing to Jeff Hardy levels. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right, buddy. Um, a video package set up the moose Chris Sabin match. Uh, so, I got to say, this match went 12 minutes. It was a good match. A lot of people give moose shit. A lot of people don't like Moose's in-ring. I don't mind it. Chris Sabin is Chris Sabin. This was one of Moose's best matches. Kenny Omega match included. Um, really? Yeah. So the broadcast team marveled over Moose being able to perform the move his size because um, he was able to do a fallaway moonsault slam. Holy shit was heard all around the broadcast. Uh, Moose... <laughs> 
uh, ragdolled Saban into the barricade multiple times. Back inside the ring, Saban caught Moose in a pin for the upset Rin. So it's your typical roll-up surprise win. So that's the one thing that, for me, really hurt the match. Um, and I was shocked at the fact that Saban did go over at 12 minutes. But it was a yeah. good match up until then. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one that we both got wrong. And, I mean, rightfully so. I feel like that was a pretty big shock. Uh, but, yeah, good on Saban. Do you think they're grooming him for a Kenny Omega match? I don't know. That's the thing, right? Like, I honestly thought that they're, they were grooming Moose for another title shot. So, I don't know what's going on here. Um, I don't think they're grooming uh, Cray Saban for a title match. I really don't. So, I don't know what the point of this really was. Um, hmm. And, really, you know, thinking about it, Chris Saban is Chris Saban. Um, Moose can easily rebound and rehab from this match. Uh, so I think it's fine. So because of that, I was originally going to give this match three and a half TNAs, but because of the ending and just the, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more of a thing in wrestling, the surprise roll-up win. So I'm going to drop yeah. it down to three and a quarter TNAs. Coming a little bit. Becoming a little bit cliche, becoming a little bit of a, you know, a little bit a of a crux. trope, if you will. It's a crux at this yes. point. You know? So that's, uh, so you're going three and a quarter? Oh, you're yeah. throwing a curveball at me. So yeah, what man. is that? Is that, a, is that a 65? That's a 65. Percent Jose Maximo percentage? <laughs> <laughs> is my math correct on that, 65? All right. I think so. All right. Uh, the broadcast team recapped the knockouts tag title change from the pre-show. Rosemary Havoc, Crazy Steve, and Black Taurus delivered a backstage promo. A video package set up the tag title match. So it was violent by design. Rhino and Joe Doring versus the Good Brothers. Man, oh man, do I love myself some Joe Doring. Joe Doring, eh? A big Joe Doring guy. I like the very few uh, Joe Doring matches that I've seen. I've probably seen four or five in my life. Um, it was it was good. It was honestly good. Uh, so so yeah. So we got some uh, showdowns. Uh, we got uh, at one point Gallows distracted the referee. Anderson performed a cutter on Rhino. The Good Brothers hit the Magic Killer on Rhino, and then Gallows pinned him. So the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson defeated Rhino and Joe Doring, uh, Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Uh, and then, yeah, so I completely fucked that up because it was there were more Salabaw. people in this match. Um, yeah, this that's also, fine. We feel. And this was it also, was a fatal four way tag match. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's fine, brother. Um, yeah, but here's the okay, thing. So yeah, one, that, one, one, one no. item of note is Falaba. So TJP wasn't in the match anymore. Falaba introduced his new opponent, and it was no way Jose. Oh, yeah. Just under the moniker, no way. Dropping yeah. the Jose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did uh, how did uh, not Jose look? What did you think of uh, of the work of the, uh, what's his name? Like Louis Valenz or something like that? I, I have no idea what his name is. Um, I don't know, man. It was okay. I wouldn't say no way just yet. <laughs> nice, man. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um yeah. All right. What did you think? Uh, what did you think of the match overall? 
it was already, like it was a lot like you have a fatal four-way tag match um impacts production isn't good enough to keep up with these type of matches so it really hurt the match at the end of the day and really it it was violent by design against the good brothers that's why in my notes i had that um you know uh it, it, the the other teams like willie mack uh and rich swan and the fallaba and no way were kind of secondary to this match Nice. All right. Well, that kind of sucks. Yeah. In retrospect, I guess it was pretty clear that the Good Brothers were going to win because of the push they're getting. But I thought they were just going to kind of stop being in TNA and just be all Same. elite. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. Um, it was what it was. Good Brothers won. Uh, and I give this match three TNAs out of five. Nice. Three TNAs out of five. Sixty percent Elix Skipper percentage Boris. That's a good one. Um, so <laughs> apologies for screwing that match up. Uh, yeah. So oh, no, Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, and his various titles were shown inside his locker room. A separate shot aired of Sammy Callahan. A video package spotlighted the knockout champion Diana Perrazzo. Um And uh, yeah, so then this led us into Diana Perrazzo versus a mystery opponent for the knockouts championship. And man, I was 100% surprised by the mystery opponent. The mystery opponent yeah. was none other than AEW's newest signing, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, who is now all elite. And I guess good thing, maybe that explains the uh, conclusion to this wrestling match. Because man, why does Thunder Rosa lose every time she's out there? She's so good. Everyone loves her. Why does she always lose? I don't know, man. Honestly, I really don't know. I don't get it. Um, it hurts me because I think she's one of the most talented female wrestlers. And, you know, in a losing... Here's the thing that gets to, like, really hurts me sometimes. Um, this is my point of view. I feel like she gets the dirty end of the stick because I feel like people forget that she was the other person in the ring with Britt Baker during their lights yeah, out right? match. Yeah. You know, that was Britt Baker's big match. And everyone forgets who she faced, you know? Like, I, this has happened yeah. a few times. The feud in NWA with Serena Deeb, you know? Everyone always forgets who made Serena Deeb look better than she is, you know? Yeah. Like, the, they have great chemistry. And I honestly thought in NWA, power, they were <laughs> moving towards Thunder Rosa getting, finally getting that win over Serena Deeb. But no, they didn't. No, they gave it to Camille instead, and now uh, Serena Deeb in, uh, is one of the she's, she's still in NWA, and Thunder Rosa is all elite, as yep. we have said. But yeah, yep. so very, very strange, but hopefully now that she's signed, she can start getting some W's under her belt. I don't think if she's she's won one or two matches since she beat Britt Baker in that uh, street fight. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So overall, this was a good match. Um I 100% thought Slammiversary, 90-day, no-competes are finishing. I honestly thought and wished um, that the mystery opponent would be Binky James uh, leading into this, like, in the night, because they were really heavily teasing Mickey James. And in my opinion, it would have made more sense. You know, Bountiful Glory and Slammiversary are your two major TNA pay-per-views. Uh, they like reaching into the history vault and talking about their history, and that's what they were doing leading up into this match. So I 100% thought that Mickey James would be the challenger, but no, it was Thunder Rosa, and nothing wrong with that. It was a very fun match. Um, uh, Perrazzo and Rosa were trading strikes. Perrazzo knocked Rosa down with a kick. Rosa got up and returned the favor with a kick of her own, then set up a Thunder Driver, but 
Perrazzo countered into a pin for a near fall. Perrazzo hit the Queen's Gambit pile driver and scored the clean win. So your winner and still knockouts champion, Diana Perrazzo. Awesome. Well, clean win is kind of disappointing, but yeah, it sounds like it was a solid match. Uh, so what, what, what kind of here's the thing. Go Let ahead. me talk about the after match shenanigans because I think that this I leads into the score. Um, so after the match, Perrazzo took the mic. Uh, before she could speak, Mickey James made her entrance to the hard to hardcore country theme. Uh, the fans chanted, "Welcome back!" James said it was good to be in front of a live audience again. Perrazzo said it's her division. James said she wasn't there to fight and ran through Perrazzo's impact credentials before adding that she had mad respect for her. James said she is producing the NWA Empowered pay-per-view and invited Perrazzo to appear at the event. Perrazzo said every company wants her on their show. She said James claims to respect her, but she didn't respect her enough to let her have her moment on the show, which I love that line. Perrazzo told James to get the hell out. James slapped her and ended up super kicking Perrazzo. Ooh, the super kick, the Mick kick, if the you Mick will. Kick, yeah. So overall, this match, I'm gonna give this three and a half TNAs out of five. Nice. Three and a half TNAs, a seventy percent amazing red percentage on this one. That's uh that's dope. Good, strong little bit of storytelling at the end, too. Glad yep. to hear it. Poor Thunder yep. Rose. Yep. All right. The broadcast team hyped Impact Homecoming, which is their Impact Plus special on Saturday, July 31st. They also set up a video package that announced Bound for Glory for Saturday, October 23rd in Las Vegas. The AEW, AAA, and JPW logos were shown during the video. Um, So this is being touted as a all-hands-on-deck event. Wow. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that turns out. Yep. Exactly. High All right. And then this leads us into the main event of the night, which was Kenny Omega with Don Callis versus Sammy Callahan in an ODQ match for the Impact World Championship. Yeah. So a garbage match, your typical Sammy Callahan fair. I saw a couple like gifts and things, you know, out there. But uh, yeah. How did you feel about this one? Did you feel it was better than Moxley Archer? Did you feel, you know, that kind of level at least or worse? Or I how? liked, I what liked, here's the thing. I liked, Moxley Archer more because of the crowd. Yeah. They really added to it. Makes a lot of sense. The impact crowd, much smaller, which is fine. Um, And they did add to the match. But I just thought that, you know, the intensity was brought by both Moxley and Archer. This match had a lot more stuff into it. You know, you had the ref bumps. You had forks. You had just, you had your typical hardcore stuff, Sammy Callahan stuff, right? And, And Omega loves doing this stuff. And then the Good Brothers walked onto the stage. They were cut off by Eddie Edwards and Chris Sabin, who quickly fought them to the back. Callahan performed another Paul driver. Uh, the original referee made a slow count for a near fall. Callahan poured thumbtacks all over the ring. Callahan set up for a Paul driver, but he was distracted by Callis. Omega threw tacks at the face of Callahan, hit him with a V-trigger knee. Omega knelt on the tr- on knelt on the tacks and then. Callahan with a V trigger. So he had thumbtacks sticking out of his knee pads mm. and hit him with a V trigger. Omega covered Callahan for a near fall. Omega shoved tacks in Callahan's mouth, hit another V trigger, followed up with a one winged angel onto the tacks and scored the pin. So again, my one my my one complaint about Omega is too many V triggers. When he hits five, yeah. you know the match is over. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, the, the V trigger. I I almost hate that move because it looks like it should kill somebody ninety percent of the time, like end a life. So the fact that he hits seven in a match just takes me out of it every time. He every time Kenny Omega has ever gone on a huge V V trigger strand, it's taking me out of the match, honestly. Yep. Which that's is tough for here. the Omega Okada matches <laughs> because that's basically that's all they are. But, that's what happened here. Yeah. And the match, dude, was twenty seven minutes forty five seconds. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. That's long. And you yeah. know what? Not, not to sit here and nitpick a match that I didn't even see. But you know what else I hate for is the thumbtack in the mouth spot. Yeah. I've seen that enough that I don't ever have to see it again. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, Sorry. So yeah, no, no worries. What, um, would, you, so what would you put? The, oh, here's on. the thing. Let's talk about the closing angle. Um, after the match, the Good Brothers came out, joined Callus in celebrating with Omega. They all made the two sweet hand gestures, and then the lights went out. The Bullet Club logo appeared on the screen. As Switchblade, Jay White made his entrance with the Never Openweight Championship belt. White entered the ring. Callus and Omega threw up the two sweet sign. Before White could respond, the impact graphic appeared on the screen to end the show. Nice, 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 nice. And that was on purpose. It wasn't of like an impact uh, snafu from production like we've yeah. seen before. That wasn't uh, Goldberg DDP Halloween Havoc. <laughs> very good very good yeah so it sounded so, like it was a pretty good show it was a really good show overall like i know the scores aren't reflecting it per se because i f i feel like the overall booking of the matches themselves kind of were weird um, but everyone gave a huge effort the fans were fantastic throughout the show it was great hearing fans number one and seeing fans and fantastic that tna can still sell tickets to people um but uh yeah overall it was a it was a fun show this main event i would give three and a half tnas out of five um and yeah like i say overall it was a pretty fun show uh, you had some fantastic matches you had the ultimate x division which is great the both women's matches were really good and then you had stuff like w morrissey and eddie edwards um you know and and i personally i love the fin juice thing just because i like fin juice a lot uh so yeah it, it was what it was awesome man well yeah it sounds like a pretty solid uh, sounds like a pretty solid watch good showing from impact for sure so just to uh, tie a bow around the uh pick contest aspect of the uh, proceedings so during the show we had seven matches to pick from by the time that we got to the pick contest so in those seven matches i went two and five not good boris two wins five losses below the mendoza line by quite a ways i was picking up some steam after my terrible nwa when our shadows fall oh for seven worst thing i've ever done in my life anyway my current record is 27 and 26 I am one game above 500. Boris, you finished three and four on this show. Three wins, four losses, both below the Mendoza line on this one, buddy. But you're still doing much better. Seven games up on me, 34 and 19. 34 correct, 19 incorrect. And how many shows do we have of picks before now, SummerSlam? So, right. So that was that's what I was going to ask you. I propose... Nope. Four more yeah, nope. games. It's it, nope. It's <laughs> nope. 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 Takeover is the new season. <laughs> no, no, that's no. We can't do that. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Yeah, takeover. No. We said SummerSlam, so Takeover is where the new season starts, right? All right. So there, there are there are a couple shows we can hit. You tell me if you want to do them or not. 
There's New Japan Wrestle Grand Slam. That's iffy. The card's going to change a lot. I'm okay with skipping that one. Yeah, let's skip that because we don't know. Like, there's too much going on in Japan right now with COVID. Yeah. So let's skip that one because I don't want to, like, we're going to go 4 Not because we got yeah. them wrong, but because the card changed. For sure. There's, uh, we are going to know the card, I'm sure of it. Um it's not a pay-per-view though, but it's going to be a huge show. There's the first AEW Rampage show, which is Friday, August 13th. Okay, we'll do that. We could we could pick that. The day after that, Triple A Triple Mania, August 14th. We're I doing think we that. Should pick we're covering that. that show completely. So we have to we're well, might as friggin' well. And then the week after Triple Mania is SummerSlam. So right. those are the four that I was thinking. So let's let's not do Wrestle Grand Slam and let's do Rampage Triple Mania and SummerSlam to finish it off. Three remaining. Yep. yep. And then the new season will be TakeOver on Sunday, August 22nd. Yep. Starts at TakeOver, ends at SummerSlam or Survivor Series. Sounds good. Cool. All right. All right. So let's move on to Impact from July 22nd, 2021. Uh, so before the Impact. Uh, they released the full footage of what happened seconds after Slammers who went off the air. The Impact World Champion Kenny Omega, Don Callis, and the Good Brothers were waiting for Jay White to to sweet them. White stands there, doesn't have he doesn't even move a muscle. All of a sudden, Finn Juice run out, goes after the Good Brother. They go after the Good Brothers. The Elite retreat out of the ring and up the ramp. Sammy Callahan slides in and throws a sign that was extremely close to hitting the Elite. Um, White then grabs David Finley and hits the Blade Runner and rolls out of the ring. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, they, cool. there, there was a match on before the impact. Petey Williams and Trey Miguel defeated uh, Cal Harrow and Shotgun Tony Gunn in a tag match. So that was what it I was. have never heard of or seen Cal Harrow or Shotgun Tony Gunn in my life. Yep. Same here. All right. Uh, so it. <laughs> Impact started. D'Lo Brown, Matt Stryker, welcome fans back to Impact Wrestling. We kick things off with some X Division action, and it was Chris Bay versus Rohit Raju. This was a fun match. Chris Bay is like I, I I've seen him wrestle a few times, but I don't know why tonight he just reminded me of Kofi Kingston. Oh, really? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I've seen Chris Bay a couple times. I haven't super gotten a Kofi vibe, but that's yeah. I'm sure yeah, you know. I'm sure there's some influence. How could you like not be influenced by Kofi Kingston? Like yeah, he, when you're just, some of the moves that he was delivering, it was it was, it was a yeah. I was just match. gonna say when you're that style, like when you're that style, when you're a baby face, like you no, know, like you, you don't you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yep. Um, it should be noted before this match, as the entrances were happening, they go to uh, Slammiversary in a never seen before clip where Chris Bay and Rohit Raju were talking about the Ultimate X match. And then Chris Bay says, take your shirt with you. Rohit Raju says, that's not my shirt. Chris Bay holds up the T-shirt and it's a Bullet Club shirt. Oh, oh my. Chris yep. Bay to the club? The yep. recruiting? So Raju flies on type of bay, on top of Bay with a sling blade of sorts for another near, near fall. Raju catches Bay in a crossface. Bay rolls through. Raju floats over and applies another crossface. Bay hoists Raju up. Raju escapes. Raju lands a shot to the back of, of Bay, setting up 
or sorry, Bay lands a shot to the back of Raju, setting up for the art of finesse. He hits it. The art of finesse is essentially a um, middle rope springboard into a diamond cutter. Oh, nice. Uh, that classic move. Yeah. yeah. So Chris Bay won. The uh, Cody cutter, uh, I, the Oz cutter, I guess, is something different. That's the Cody cutter, though. That's cool. Yep. Uh, so post-match, uh, Jay White greets Chris Bay in the back. White asks Bay if he got his message. Bay says he did, but he doesn't know what White wants from him. White says the Bullet Club is always looking for recruits, and he wants to extend the olive branch to Bay. Bay declines and says he works alone. White looks at him and asks, how's that working out? Bay has nothing to say. White tells him to think about it. His invite is good for a little bit longer. No, the expiring invite. Oh, no. Yep. So I would give this match three and a half TNAs. Oof, good, good rating. 70, 70% uh, kid cash percentage on this one. Love it. All right, backstage, your interviewer, Gia Miller, is by Kenny Omega's room and wants to get a comment from him after retaining his Impact World Championship against Sammy Callahan. Instead of getting Omega, she gets Don Callis instead. Callis informs Miller that Omega suffered some major damage coming out of that brutal battle on Saturday. On Sunday, Miller then asks Callis their thoughts on Jay White showing up on Saturday. Callis was not informed White was coming to Impact. Callis says it's one more thing he is not happy with how Impact handles business with outsiders. Callis says if White or anyone else wants a future title shot, they have to go through him first. Nice. And you said this was a good promo. You said it, it in really the previous good. review. It was really, really good. Callis is such a good talker because basically the way that he started off the promo was he held up the TNA title and said, you know, you guys wanted me off the show, Damore and Dreamer, you know, and then he holds up the belt and says, this means I have more power than you. It was so well done. That's, a, that's great. Don Callis is a gem. Absolute gem. Glad to hear it. Yep. All right. Mickey James is out. Uh, the ch- The audience is chanting, welcome back. Uh, Mickey James thanks them all. She reveals that Saturday, didn't, Sunday did not go the way she thought it would. She's there in the Impact Zone tonight to make things right with Knockouts champ Deanna Perrazzo. She asks for Perrazzo to come out, and she does. James thanks Perrazzo for coming out, and she apologizes for her reaction and hitting a super kick on her. James wants the best of the best at NWA Empower in August, and she believes Perrazzo is one of the best in the business. She once again extends the invite to Perrazzo. Perrazzo says the only reason she came out to the ring tonight was to see James rectify her actions. She says she doesn't need people like James to call her the best. She knows she is the best. Perrazzo demands an apology from James. Perrazzo threatens she's going to slap Mickey into next week if she doesn't obey this is when Gail Kim comes out, and she makes her way to the ring. Gail Kim informs Perrazzo she was the one to ask Mickey James to come and invite the champion to empower. Kim asks Perrazzo if she's actually considering the invitation. Mickey James then adds that if Perrazzo wants to add a brick to her legacy, then come wrestle for the his for this historic event. James extends her handout. Perrazzo shakes her hand. So there you go. Deanna Perrazzo will be part of history at NWA Empowered on August 28th. Nice. Now, I've heard it bandied about that NWA Empower is going to be like a tournament. 
a one night tournament. Have you heard that? Do you think that's what it's going to be? I have no idea. I, I I've heard a couple things. There's homecoming, which is going to be the tournament, and that's the 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 Impact Plus thing where they're going to crown a male and female king and homecoming king and queen. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well, that's an idea. <laughs> yep. All right. So we see another vignette from a star who calls himself. The Drama King. So it's the former Aiden English. What's his name? Matt, like, Ernt or something? something like Matt, that, yeah. Matthew something. Yeah. Yep. Think Enzo's going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, I do. He's got, Enzo's got an independent match against, of all people, Jerry Lawler coming up fairly soon. And I think, I think after that, he's going to get signed somewhere. I really yeah. do. Not because the match is going to be so good, but <laughs> just because <laughs> that's how it, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Brian Myers, Sam Beal, and Tino Dashwood faced off against Jake something, Matt Cardona, and Chelsea Green. Um, this was an okay match. It was kind of very similar to their match from the mixed tag from the weekend, except he added a couple more people. Uh, Green picks up the pinfall for her team. This was an okay match. I'm going to give this match two and a half TNAs out of five. Nice. Two and a half TNAs out of five for a 50%. Let's go with, uh, I already used Elix Skipper. Damn, Christopher Daniels. There go you go. There you go. So backstage, Eddie Edwards wants W. Morrissey to meet him in the parking lot. And this leads us into a parking lot brawl. <sighs> These guys. <laughs> Your boy, Big Cass, parking lot These brawl. Guys. These guys. I don't even know. This was so bad. This was so bad, so bad, really? so cringing, so embarrassing. It was not fun. Um, D'Lo and Stryker even said that, oh, look, the fans outside who couldn't get in because we're sold out inside are going nuts. Um, it was just everything about this match was just so dumb. <laughs> this match, this brawl. They were not. Yeah, the, the fans were mild. Scary. Uh, so fans <laughs> circled around the brawl. Uh, they were pulling for Edwards. Edwards whips out two kendo sticks, goes to town on W. Morrissey. Morrissey literally runs away, and that's how this brawl ends. Oh, that's that's a good way to build Dude, a monster, right? Right. Have him run away. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not it's not what you want, Boris. It's not what you want. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like you did not enjoy this, my friend. My friend, this is getting zero TNAs out of five. <laughs> a full fail. A dud. A zero percent abyss percentage. Deep in yep. the abyss it was. Dude, you have... You're trying to build a monster in W. Morrissey. Okay, he's a man. He accepts the brawl. And then you have this... You have shenanigans going on outside... Can't you, you run away because two kendo sticks? Like, seriously? Seriously? <laughs> That's all you want, buddy. It, it does, does less than ideal. Yeah, it was so embarrassing. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, Gia Miller catches up with Sam Beal, Brian Myers, and Tino Dashwood with Caleb with a K after their major loss. Myers says he still has a lot to teach Dashwood now that she's under his learning tree, and that's why he's choosing her as his partner for homecoming. Dashwood reads, uh, retracts and says she isn't going to be his tag partner anymore, especially after taking two back-to-back L's with him. Now Myers needs to find a new partner and fast. Hmm. 
Something. Something. That yeah. is something. All right. It's time for Jay White's in-ring segment. The fans are pumped to see Switchblade. Um, he comes out. He's in the impact zone. I never would have thought Jay White Switchblade in the impact zone. It's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, that is actually hilarious. Um, goes uh, on the mic on and the he mic. says, I'm here not for who you think. I'm here for you, David Finley. White and Finley are set to collide for the Never Open Championship at NJPW Resurgence next month. He calls Finley a failure and a disappointment to his family's legacy. White makes it clear that Finley will never capture his belt so long as he's holding it. Mm. Yeah. He then switch shifts his attention towards the elite. White says he has created a new era in the Bullet Club. He adds that the Good Brothers are no longer a hit, and he's going to decline an offer for them to rejoin the Bullet Club. And cue the elite. Don Callis, first of all, compliments White for his look and his in-ring promo skills. But Callis wants to look back at Kenny Omega's era as the Bullet Club leader. Callis says White's era as a leader is filled with mid-card talent. It doesn't compare to when Omega was in charge. Callis wants to offer a proposal he thinks White can't refuse. He offers an invite for White to join the elite and ditch the Bullet Club. White responds by recalling how he beat Omega once. Omega isn't too happy about this. Um, and Omega says he and Callis need to talk about this and leave the stage. The Good Brothers take over the conversation, poke fun at White for trying to replicate history they created. White lands a low blow by saying the Good Brothers sold out years ago and that they wish they could be as good as White is now. Um, the Good Brothers don't like that insult. They start um, going on White. And then this leads to a two-on-one beatdown. Everyone is waiting for someone to come out. And this is when Chris Bay answers the call. Bay sends the Good Brothers out of the ring. And it looks like Chris Bay is closer to accepting Jay White's offer to join the Bullet Club. Huh. Very, very interesting. So another thing that I find interesting is they brought Kenny Omega out, but they didn't let him talk yep. at all. Kind of yep. weird. But, Amazing right. move. Amazing move. Is why have him there at all? But okay. Yep. Uh yeah, right. Um but hey, look, Matt, you and I complain about Omega's promos. That's why Don Callis yes. is there, right? Yeah, all the time. So yeah, I guess we can't really complain the other way. And I'm not complaining that he didn't talk. I'm just noting it's strange that he, it almost makes him look bad to be out there and not speak. Like if you're not gonna let him speak, which I'm not saying you have to, but if you're not gonna maybe don't even have him out there. Oh yeah, Kenny's not here this week, you know? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> All right, so backstage, Josh Alexander is speaking with Gia Miller. After successfully retaining his X Division Championship on Sunday, his next goal is to become the next face of Impact. Kenny Omega interrupts and asks Alexander if he just heard him correctly. Alexander says he did. Omega is lost for words and walks off. Dude, it's happening. Josh That's... Alexander and Kenny Omega. That match could be amazing. Oh, my God. That's what I was hoping for this whole time. So let's do that. Yeah. But what scares me is this belt collector gimmick. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Kenny Omega's going to win the X Division title? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he might. He might. Yep. Also Has anyone stuff. ever had the X and the world at the same time? I really have no idea. 
Um, yeah. I think so. I'm pretty sure yes. I'm pretty sure yes. I feel like shout out, uh, shout out Bob Kapoor if you're still listening to this. <laughs> throw us, a, throw us a bow and let us know. Yep. So also backstage, Chris Bay pissed that Chris Bay came to Jay White's side. Uh, the Good Brothers have issued a tag team challenge to them for next week. All right, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton versus Finn Juice. You know, I love me some Finn Juice. This was a fun little match. Uh, Juice turns, um, so Fulton slides in and hoists Juice up. Joyce turns the hold into a sunset flip, stacks him up for the three. Finn Juice wins. Fun little match, giving this three TNAs out of five. Love me some Finn Juice. Three TNAs out of five. A 60% Michael Shane percentage. How do you like that, Paul? That's a good one. So after the match, Austin and Fulton beat down on Finn Juice. Juice grabs Austin and puts him in the electric chair position. Uh, David Finley gets ready and climbs to the top rope to hit the Doomsday device. All of a sudden, Rohit, Raju, and Shira run in to help Austin and Fulton. Austin hits the fold on Finn Juice. Just when we think they're all friends, Shira and Fulton stare each other down with viciousness in their eyes. With viciousness. Great anger in their eyes. I love it. Oh, pro wrestling. I love it. All right. Another backstage segment. Rich Swan and Willie Mack want a match with Violent by Design. Instead of them waiting for next week, Violent by Design make a surprise visit to Swan and Mack. Eric Young agrees, and that's a match for next week. Cool. Yep. Eric Young? How's Eric Young looking these days? How's the, how's the promo coming? Little, little rough, little rough, uh, yeah. little rough. He, he, he's still, he's still out, right? With, uh, with knee. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, another backstage segment. Gia Miller finds Moose heading to Scott Demore's office. Moose wants a rematch with Chris Sabin after he came up short against them at Slammiversary. Demore grants Moose and Sabin this rematch as the main event for next week. The main event. Oof. Yes. Moose has got to win that one. He's right? got to win that one. He has to. He has to. All right. Um, and then this led us to the main event of this week's show, which was Havoc and Rosemary with uh, with Decay versus Fire and Flava. Oh, Boris, did we get a switch again? My God. Nope, we did not. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. At least there's that. At least there's that. Poor Fire and Flava, though. Yeah. Um, it was it was an okay match, uh, you know. It, it uh, I liked it overall, um, but the second hour of Impact was r- a little rough. Um, I liked yeah. the entire first hour and some segments. I just found that because of the way that they film uh, post, you know, they're sorry, the way that they film their TV, it's just too many backstage segments and segments outside of the live crowd. So it just really right. slows the show down a lot. But this match was pretty good overall. Um, <clears throat> Rosemary crawls over to make a tag to Havoc. Havoc and Rosemary seal the deal. When Rosemary lands a spear on Hogan, Havoc rolls her up. They retain the tag team titles. I'm going to give this match three TNAs out of five. Hollywood Kira Hogan. All right. Three TNAs out of five. Boris, it's a 60% PD Williams percentage, buddy. Yep. He sounds like a good show. Sounds like yeah. a watchable show. At least. It was a watchable show. Overall, I would give this show a three and a half TNA percentile out of five. Nice. Nice. Three and a half 
percentile. We're closing it with a 70% Teddy Hart percentage. <laughs> so a jail percentage. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, Not endorsing Lord. the man, Teddy Hart. He had, he had a pretty he had like two or three amazing matches in TNA though back in the yep. day oh four oh five ish, yep. But um, yeah, so like again, overall this show is okay. I, I I always forget how many backstage segments there are because of the way that they film their TV. Um, but the in ring overall was pretty good. But you had that horrible like honestly that Morrissey Eddie Edwards thing really took me out of the show. Yeah, it seems like it kind of just derailed the uh, the train for you. It kind of took the wind out of your sails big time. It did. It did big time. So that's that's impact for tonight. That is uh, that's that's it. That that's everything we want nice, to talk man. about. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah we're well. I think we did well here. We got a little long in the tooth. Maybe uh, make a nice uh, exit, nail the di- uh, dismount here. But yeah, what do we got on tap next week? So next week. What are what do we have on tap for next week? So obviously we're going to talk about ROH. We're going to talk about oh I know what we're going to review, MLW Battle Riot. Oh yeah, let's do that for sure. Going to both watch the entire Battle Riot. Yep, because Kurt Bauer said, why isn't going to make people spend money when people have been hurting for the past 16, 17 months? So he's made Battle Riot free for everyone. That's awesome. Good. Thank you, Kurt. We'll definitely be court. Sorry. We'll definitely be watching that one, buddy. Probably talk a little NHL draft as well. That's going to happen in the next week, this weekend. So we'll we'll give a little sprinkle of thoughts on the NHL draft. We'll talk a little Blue Jays and uh, we'll talk some Battle Riot. Yep. Battle Riot. ROH. Most likely power. Oof, I, that might be all you, homie. I'm out on the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah.